This is episode 30 of series 8 on OpenAI's remarkable chatbot, ChatGPT. And who knows, it may be the last in this series. Uh, but I wanted to spend a little bit of time thinking out loud in the way that I like to do. And if you listened to episode 29, you'll know that thinking out loud is very often the way that I decide what it is I really think because the process of vocalising is the first time that the thoughts I vocalise really um, consolidate in my mind. I suggested, without prejudging the question of whether ChatGPT understands what it's saying, that for it much the same is true. It brings together answers to users' questions that coalesce and it outputs them, and that's probably the first time they've ever been output in quite that form. Now a question arises, particularly for somebody like me, who is very verbal, as to whether there are other ways in which one's thoughts can coalesce than a verbal form. And I think that the answer has to be yes, because I'm sure that it's possible to think without language and in order to get a handle on this I want just to describe something that I read a long time ago in one of my favourite philosophers, Professor Michael Dummett of the University of Oxford, who wrote a lot about, lot about Gottlob Frege, the great German logician, and about language and about theories of meaning, no longer with us unfortunately. And he said in one of the essays in a collection called Truth and Other Enigmas, that when we think, the processes that are going on in our brains are made up of the thinking process, which is inaccessible to us, and the thoughts that erupt into our consciousness as a result, as a consequence of the thinking process that remains opaque to us. And to translate it into Tor Nuretrender's wonderful little book, well it's not so little, big book, The User Illusion, that I've referred to before, Penguin, that's as if the non-conscious brain, he I think wisely avoids the loaded terms subconscious and unconscious because of their Freudian and Jungian associations, the non-conscious brain, the bit that we can't access directly, does the thinking, and what it does is to produce thoughts which erupt into some kind of consciousness. We become aware of them, if you like. And in episode 29 I was saying that sometimes, and it's happening right now, in case you were in any doubt, sometimes those thoughts erupt and we speak them as they erupt. And the first time that I know that I'm thinking something is when I hear myself saying it. And there is a reference to something a bit like that in Wittgenstein's Blue Book, but that'll perhaps have to wait until another day. Now, that being so, the thinking process is opaque, hidden, doesn't involve anything that's intelligible to human beings, 
Well, let's say that it just involves interactions between neural pathways, synaptic clefts, and whatever else it is that's going on in our immeasurably complex neurophysiology. And in parallel to that, or equivalent to that, although very different, in something like a neural net, such as is behind ChatGPT, there are nodes with numerical weights and biases and matrices that have been trained on training data that is in excess of what one could read in a thousand human lifetimes and upon which it draws but as I said again in episode 29 it doesn't draw upon all of it it draws upon some of it and what determines which of it it draws upon is something called an attention function and in that too it's not so very different from you and me because our attention function consists largely of saying right I need to cook dinner now so I'm going to attend to the bits of my brain that are doing the cooking know how to cook or whatever it might be hello Somebody with their dog just walked past, hence the silence. Wouldn't want people to think I was talking to myself. Uh, so, where was I? Yes, ChatGPT is doing a similar process, doing similar processing between its neural net nodes to the processing that is going on in the neurophysiology of a human being. And I do not want to worry. I don't think we should worry about equivalence between the two because I think as I hope I've demonstrated in the previous 29 episodes that the effect however dissimilar the process may be or the architecture upon which it operates the effects are very similar in fact more similar the more closely you scrutinize them and the most remarkable of them all is that ChatGPT produces output and it's probably the first time that output has ever made itself present in the world. And that could be true of some of the things that we say, you and I say, as well on a similar basis, particularly if we are in the habit of speaking off the cuff without notes, as I'm doing now. So those two things produce very similar outputs and the underlying mechanism relies upon some kind of training. If you say to me, are you making it up as you go along, there's a certain sense in which the answer is yes, but there is also a sense in which the answer is certainly not. I've been thinking about these things and, to use the computer analogy, training myself in these things for years, decades, so that whatever I'm calling upon in the neurology that I depend on for these words isn't just random, it's actually been honed, one hopes more or less successfully, for a long time in these sorts of fields. And I'm not going to pontificate on all sorts of subjects because I know very well I know nothing about them. 
You may think I don't know much about this either. Well, you could be right, but uh, I'm going to persist with the illusion that I do until I run out of steam. So, ChatGPT's underlying neural net has been trained and my brain has been trained. Different methods, some much more painstaking than others. Its training, of course, took considerably fewer years than mine and involved far more data than I could ever possibly hope to absorb, let alone understand. So the two things, although equivalent, are completely poles apart in terms of the speed and efficiency with which they operate. Now somebody may say that there is a crucial difference. If, as Dummett and Nora Trenders and I say, a largely invisible process, a largely inaccessible process, a largely unintelligible process in the substructure of our brain or ChatGPT's neural net is producing these outputs, is there any means of telling whether it's reliable? To which I think the answer is no more means than there is of telling whether a human being's output is reliable. We have to draw upon as many of the skills as we can to decide on that. If someone obviously contradicts themselves, then we can pick them up on it. If they're obviously lying, then we can pick them up on it. It doesn't apply to prime ministers, incidentally. But otherwise, we don't have any means, as you might say, of digging down into the neurological infrastructure or the neural net infrastructure and seeing some kind of trace of an error because, and the conversation I had yesterday with ChatGPT confirmed this, if you dig down into its architecture you will not find the name of the 44th President of the United States or anything else, any more than you'll find it in my neurophysiology. And my eldest daughter did say that there are theories to the effect that we have uh, neurons that are responsible for facial recognition or personal recognition. And I think that someone's given them the attractive name Halle Berry neurons. They're the things that fire when Halle Berry walks into the room. Chance would be a fine thing, as you might say. But I think that that's so problematic and it begs as many questions as it answers that I don't think that there's much to be gained at this stage from pursuing it. So things get thrown up that may or may not be reliable. We shouldn't, I think, be too worried about that. In fact, we might almost be inclined to rejoice over it because were a time ever to arise, and heaven knows human beings are foolish enough to believe anything, when something like ChatGPT or one of its successors became thought to be a sort of universal oracle incapable of error, 
so that everybody started trusting it, whatever it said, even when its solutions to elementary mathematical problems quite clearly are wrong. If we were to in, be in that situation, then I would in many respects be more worried than I might reasonably be about the powers that it's already exhibiting. Because the powers that it's exhibiting are fallible, and so it can take its place in the spectrum of human activity, where fallibility is something we always need to take into consideration. You need to take it into consideration over what I'm saying. I take it into consideration over what I read and including over what ChatGPT might tell me in our conversations. So let's not be too quick to complain that it gets things wrong. That could be one of its most endearing characteristics. The world will be safer that way. Thank you for listening.